Um, yes, so this is Dreadful Talk, episode 43. That familiar handsome bastard you see right there is uh, Harrison Madden, a co-host of BB Boys Breakdown, which is where we talk. We have our, my other podcast where we strictly talk UFC. And I know to some people, you know, the difference between 1FC and UFC at first may seem like splitting hairs. Like this may seem like something more geared for the BB Boys channel than the Dreadful Talk channel. But if we're here to talk about the differences in more so just like promotion versus promotion and how just our, our first kind of initial reaction and impression of the one championship. Um, and, and you may ask yourself, what is one championship? Uh, you know, what, what is, isn't it just like Bellator or what, what sets one championship apart? Uh, one championship is, is like essentially based out of Asia. It's more catered and geared towards the Asian market and it has a lot more worldly fighters, not a ton of Americans. They do have Americans fighting in there, as we saw last night, but, but mainly, um, you know, fighters from overseas and geared to like an overseas audience. Um, and they're huge, by the way, like because of what we just, uh, or what I just brought up about them being essentially Asia's UFC, as we all know, Asia's very heavily populated. So, I mean, it's not even like, it's it's not small time. It's not knockoff. It's not bootleg. Like it's it's legit. And, and uh, I had heard that it was legit from very legit people. But and so I but I had just never experienced it for myself. So me and you were both really looking forward to last night. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like I've watched individual fights uh, from one, just like highlights, things like that. Uh, last yeah. night was my first time to actually watch like the presentation of a card to see yes. how they do the announcing, the referees, the walkouts, the weigh-ins. Everything's exactly. a little different, honestly. Everything's a little yeah. different, but I kind of like how they do it. Like, I, I see where it kind of teeters on this. It's close to WWE kind of a style and the way they bring the guys out, the way it's presented, uh, all that. But honestly, man, at the end of the day, like, it's still fighting, and those guys are still fighting at a world elite level. So I like yeah. it. Oh, yeah, I liked it. Like, to me, yeah, you get somewhat more of that wrestling vibe, but it's like they take all the good stuff, like the showmanship and, like, the – the pyrotechnics and kind of like, like, like I bet it's so dope to be there live. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like a right. concert or like you said, it's more of an event than I feel yeah. like UFC. UFC is very like kind of sportsman, like more of like, uh, you know, here's, here's this guy, here's that guy. Let's fight. This was like a whole production, a whole show, a uh, very just appealing to the eyes, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And I thought it like so at the end they and they don't call them prelims; they call it the lead card and the main yeah. card, which I appreciated because yeah. the lead card leads you to the main card. I get that, and yeah. also prelim kind of is a devaluing term. I feel like, but you're right. You're right. I like how they I like how they brought out the three guys that were the main card and introduced them all like up on the stage, and they were like, "These are your fights you're about to see. Like, enjoy them," and then sent them all back and brought them out to fight. It was like that was pretty sick. It was sick. I, I, I bet it honestly kind of sucks for the fighters, though. Like, just, like, two hours before your fight. Like, for you sure. Go do this kind of unnecessary thing. But, like, f purely from a fan's perspective, dope. I mean, like you said, it was it – right. it, it gave it that, like, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, kind of, like, choose your character kind of vibe, right? Like, right, yeah. Like, it felt like, like they were, like, almost – more than human when they're introduced that way like they don't feel as human as when they walk out in the ufc and there's no sound and it's like no fans and they just look tough you know and they're and also i will say too the walkout camera angle you know in the ufc they get right in front of them and they follow and follow and follow them 
This one's like a zoom in from the top where they kind of just watch him come down the walkway and then their team's already waiting for him down there. I like yeah, that too. It works. It works. And, and, and yeah, this and this isn't like necessarily, like I said, to we're not like bash on the UFC. We're huge UFC guys. We watch every damn card. But like I said, this is to point out the differences. And like I said, to those people who are rolling their eyes saying like, oh yeah, what's the difference? One FC. I mean, what's the, well, the, that's what we're here to talk about. So we are going to be highlighting those things that stood out. And there us, are you know. and there are rule differences as well. It's not just a format thing as well. Yeah, and also what we'll get into and what I thought was cool and I'm on display in this lead card was the um, was that it's not just mixed martial arts. Yeah, and, I love that. I was that, dude. so interested to see like how it played out on the eye, how it kind of flowed with the whole kind of card of like you know how much of a gear switch is it. Right, because um, what I'm getting at, folks, is so one championship. It's a mixed martial arts promotion, but they also put on pure Muay Thai and pure kickboxing as well. And I think on cer certain nights they may even have normal boxing. Yeah, um, they do. But uh, but yeah, so I was super, and I knew this going in, so I wasn't shocked. But it was more of just seeing how it actually played out, and like. uh especially with the fact that there wasn't a ton of fights, right? There was like a total six. of six fights. So yep. the fact there's six fights and then you're mixing in these different sports. And like I said, I was super curious to see like how the kind of flow of the night, flow of the card went. And it, was, it, it went great. And actually I thought that uh, kind of the change of pace or the kind of sprinkling a different flavor if you will really was just nice and really helped keep my attention span and just i don't know i i was a big fan i thought it worked oh. works great yeah man i think from a viewing perspective i thought about this a lot too because they do the muay thai fights sometimes they do five rounds sometimes they do three rounds same with the kickboxing but with the muay thai fights they don't put them in boxing gloves all the time sometimes they no. put them in mma four ounce gloves which for anyone that knows muay thai like the the language of eight Eight limbs is essentially what they call it. I, I mean, to have four-ounce gloves in Muay Thai is just insane. And that was why that was essentially the main event fight last night. And honestly, it deserved it. It did. It did. I was pretty shocked that they did that. Like Me uh, too. It, like, blew my mind to have your one flyweight championship belt not be your last fight. Well, and, and I mean, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just my, like, Western kind of Eurocentric worldview um, is – that I mean, I'm, I going into last night, I would have considered uh, Demetrius Johnson to be the biggest name on the card. Um, he was. Like, they were selling it like he was. They maybe they were just selling it like that to us. Like, how, do you know? Oh, like how, uh, good point. They'll dude. make like a different commercial for like the UK Harry Potter release and the That's American Harry Potter release, or I guess more relevant to this example is like the Asian, like the Transformers when it drops in Asia, is slightly different than the one that drops True. here. So maybe they just did it for, like, American Western viewers. Um, and over there, they may maybe they were marketing the hell out of Rod Tang. And maybe, maybe over there, Rod Tang's the bigger name, the bigger draw. Well, um, I think you're right, man. Because, honestly, I saw I was on the BP Boys Twitter last night, you know, just tweeting all about it. And someone, uh, like Sean Sheehan, someone from, like, MMA Fighting, noted that in one of their tweets and said, so Asia loves Rod Tang and the rest of the world wants to see Demetrius tonight. It was a tweet like that where it was essentially like him acknowledging the fact of, in fact, Rod Tang is the biggest draw. Yeah, well, it, it, 
I don't know. I was all for it, last I said. I was going into last time with a very open mind, a oh, very, like, wanting to, like, learn more about this and kind of be educated and, like, you know, and take in other, like, cultures. And, uh, and, and so, I don't know, it was kind of cool because, like, I thought that was very in the spirit of that, finding out that Rod Tang was the – the headliner, you know, it's like, oh well, shit, like, you know, it just kind of makes you think, like, the, the 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 more you know, the more you don't know, type of situation. Yeah, and to be honest, man, it was one of those things where, even if that was like a, a like a move where, like, we would put Connor as our last fight at all times, but it doesn't mean that Connor's going to have the best performance, like, i.e., Dustin Poirier beating him last time. But Rod Tang, I feel like even if he's going to lose, which by the way, he has like forty-two losses and I think like three hundred wins. His re- his record was something just unreal. He's twenty-three years old. Something unreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've but, probably been doing that shit. He's probably been doing that. I get. I bet he's been 17. fighting every weekend. Mm-hmm. I bet younger than that, man. Like, I, 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 I mean, that's probably his pro career. But I bet right. amateur. I bet he's been doing <laughs> that shit every weekend since he was like eight. But like, dude, he did not disappoint. And no. now, granted, it wasn't even for his belt in Muay Thai last night. It was just like a a fight because it was a late minute replacement. But damn, did he not disappoint, dude? He was fucking awesome to watch. Awesome. Oh yeah, it, it, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. It was great. It was it was awesome. The whole thing was was awesome. Like I said just visually, and then like also what I want to get. I know we're talking a lot about it visually and theatrics and, and this and that. But it, it didn't take away it, one drop of competitiveness. Like no, like the, the will to win for all involved was I thought really evident like i don't really feel like there was a whole lot of slow starting or patty taking or uh i mean it was very like i said for all the fluff and frills and 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 quite literally bells and whistles i uh you know it didn't take away from like the essentially the violence of the of the of the occasion of the evening uh no not at all the competitiveness the violence the the willingness to engage was at a very high level now, I think some important things that we should talk about as well that are like kind of presentation, but also just have to do with the the actual scoring itself is is not by rounds, which me and you will roll out hills to die on when guys lose fights based yeah. on scoring round by round by round. And we talk about how guys like Frank Yeager made a career out of knowing how to win out rounds and be like ahead in points. So it was shocking yes. for me to find out that MMA fights are just judged on the whole. Me too, and then, but like the Muay Thai fights do have rounds. Correct, the so, Muay Thai fights, and it's not a ten nine; it's a ten point must. So you can give both guys a ten if you think they split. Yeah, it. yeah. So like I said, I was in full like willingness to learn mode last night. I was like you said that both of those things kind of like <laughs> slapped me in the face. Like whoa, like like I had to, I had to like not. I wanted to actually wait to kind of digest that stuff live on air with you because. I didn't want to like. I don't know, I'm kind of a one track mind. Sometimes it's a short attention span, and it's like I didn't want to be so focused, my brain power on like, do I like this or do I not like this, to like taking the fight of like what I was witnessing. I wanted to like remain in the moment. Yeah, um, I I myself instead tried to score it that way rather than going round by round. I tried to like be with it. So okay, okay, and then uh, how? The only thing that like. The, not the only thing. The, the first thing that jumps to mind about judging a fight on the whole, as opposed to going round by round, is and it's something that I kind of do anyway. So maybe this is just my same bias carrying over. But it would lead me to believe that the round three is much more valuable than round one. 
if you're scoring the fight on the whole. Because like when you're when you're doing it round by round, you're by definition saying that like these rounds are like all rounds are created equal. But scoring it on the whole, I think whoever finishes stronger, like <coughs> I mean, I think I think you have more of a case there. I agree. I also think it makes it a little more subjective as to who wins the fight rather than objective, which can be both good and bad. Um, and then I also think that scoring the fight on a whole is almost kind of like a, like you talk about like the cultural difference of it, right? Well, like pride in the UFC or well pride, not the UFC because they aren't the same, but before pride and all the fighters came over to the UFC, they would score the last round as being worth more. Yeah. So in that aspect, like, I think that's just the way Asian culture like approaches their fights. And I was about to say, and that is pride was based out of Asia, very similar to one championship. Um, very, very good, you know, interesting thing to point out. And um, like I said, it's not – I don't – I think this is something that I took out of it, and maybe it's just how it played out last night. The good news is there's one of these every single week all month and for the next yeah, three yeah. weeks. I'm, so I'm going to be turning to all of them. Exactly. Uh, but, but what it – so maybe, maybe it won't play out like this all the time. But it, to me, it, it led to like less, as I like to call it, a lawyer ball. Like, uh, yeah, shout absolutely. Out, shout out Hank Hill. This ain't lawyer ball, son. But, uh, but no, seriously, like, like in the UFC, and I love the UFC. And I, you know, obviously, we have a whole podcast dedicated to it. But naysayers of the UFC and haters of the UFC, and you hear it coming from boxing fans and trolls and all that. But, you know, the whole, oh, they just kick each other in the shins and leg hump each other and roll around. Like, you hear, obviously, none of those are true, but. Whenever th those are some of the things that naysayers point to, and there are certain guys that are kind of known for boring styles or eating up rounds, or or um, you know, we've witnessed the disaster of you know Usman Masvidal one. Oh, uh, I didn't want to say. I didn't yeah, want to call him out. Yeah, or or you know, some of those lame Tyron Woodley fights that we've watched, mm. you know, in recent memory, and and um, I, I say all that to say that. I feel like the round by round scoring kind of lends itself to some more of that because you're you're busy keeping score in your head. You're yeah, you're busy. Your, your corners to... work about it too. Like think about it in the corner aspect too, man. When you come over to your corner, they're not telling you, "Hey, we won that round. We got to pick it up." They're just telling you, "You just need to fight better." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I knee jerk reaction because that's literally like the whole point of this episode is to have a knee jerk reaction to last night. Knee-jerk reaction is that I think it makes it more competitive unless, like, like you know, uh, like football or really any sport, they'll tell you, like, don't think, do. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? And I think right, right, the, right. the UFC round-by-round -round scoring lends itself to a tad bit more thinking, a, a tad bit more lawyer ball, a tad bit more point fighting. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. think the way one does it creates a more kind of competitive architecture it's it's more of a fight you know what i mean because a fight is like i mean it, it is a cumulative battle right because we always talk about like if, if guys get in the fight on the street essentially the guy that's on top at the end that's that's taking less damage perceivably less damage yeah is the winner essentially yep now, yeah. I will say, that's a big change as far as, like, the fighter's mentality in the ring. Now, another big change that we also uh, – and this one is shocking to me – is the UFC has a trademark on the octagon, right? So yeah. other people, other fight organizations can't have a legitimate octagon unless it's UFC trademarked or they're an affiliate league. So yeah. with that being said, 
One is in an actual circle, a ring. However, they also will fight in a square. Both. Oh, I, both I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, they'll know do that. MMA fights in a square, like, boxing ring with, like, the ropes, with no cage. It, it just depends if it's a more, like, boxing the, and Muay Thai-heavy card. Yep. The MMA fighters in that card just have to deal with it and vice versa, like, yep. uh, man. Because, well, because also, Yuri, Yuri Lapicus's last fight was in a square boxing oh. ring. Well, I I, uh, I also learned last night that like uh, apparently caged Muay Thai is, is gaining gaining steam and is like a big really? thing over there. Yeah, they were saying. Um, I think they were saying. Yeah, um, Rod Tay has taken quite a few. Um, it's caged Muay Thai, so you know, as you can imagine, you get you can push them up against the cage a little more and get a little bit more probably clinch work up against the up up against the cage as a as I assume it'd be harder to do in a, in a boxing style ring. So. Just, just you know, just kind of proves how like, MMA is kind of bleeding out into those sports, and those sports are kind of bleeding into MMA. It's, it's really cool. It's, a, it's probably never been a better time to be a combat sports fan. And that's something else I wanted to talk about tonight is just the quality across the board. Um, I think that's starting to be answered. Oh yeah, um, yeah, I, I was impressed I, with the technique level. And it's hard to like look at any of this stuff in the vacuum, but. Um, like, like the fact that Chandler come over from Bellator and is getting the title fight, and then the fact that the guy that beat him, Patricio Pitbull, is is, is you know still kicking ass and just defended his title in Bellator. Um, we got the one one championship uh, putting on full display its talent last night on TNT. Which TNT's huge. That's the same thing the NBA that's, comes on. Yeah, that's a big, big. I mean that board, that. Uh, uh, Network. Network, that's the word, yes. Like, yes we're talking Shaq and Chuck, you know what I'm saying? And um, so that's big time. Um, and, and then, like, I, I'm really excited for this upcoming. The PFL's about to get started. They signed Anthony Pettis, and, I mean, they have some names and some talent over there. Uh, I mean, as like I said, it's uh, – we, well, we've also talked about it on Beefy Boys, how there's, there's – in my opinion, unless you're getting paid for this, there's not enough time in the day to really – be an expert and up to like gear 10 on all like balls deep in all these different promotions. But I am going to try to be a slightly more aware and take in what I can take in and, and just really enjoy it as opposed to trying to like, you know, claim to be an expert on it, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think like the different rules and formats are like kind of fun variations to watch too. And honestly, the more I think about it, the more I really like the kickboxing and Muay Thai being filtered in with the MMA because, like, the three-minute rounds versus the five-minute rounds are a nice little switch-up, and the activity level of MMA and kickboxing is so much higher. Oh, man. All right. All right. I want to yeah. I I take a dab real quick, so feel free just to, you know, you can filibuster. You can, <laughs> you can, you can toke that beautiful blunt if you're watching at home. You can, you can load up a nice bowl. I got to get right because there's a lot to get into and, and I'm having a lot of fun. And I, I mean, I had a lot of fun last night. That's, that's something that I noticed that like, and just, just the, like I said, the change of pace, the difference in presentation, the other sports being mixed in. I so I love the UFC, but, um, and I was it, well, the same thing. So like, I love the NFL, like football is my number one favorite sport, but and, you know, on, on, on an NFL Sunday by the, you know, for, if you're watching Red Zone Channel, by like the fourth game of the day, 
it, it you can get a little like kind of mundane, a little bit like uh, absolutely. Like, and, and, and and I and you know I feel like maybe that was happening to me a little bit with my MMA fandom, just watching all these UFC cards. I mean, seven hours sometimes straight. You know, sometimes it's hard to be razor sharp for for all of them. And um, so last night was just like it was just, it was that nice little added new flavor on the menu. You know, that extra like oh yeah, like like. This is a lot of fun. Like, like I don't know. I was, I was locked the fuck in. So, major differences I noticed as well as far as like promotional ownership. Uh, so meaning like meaning how uh, WME owns the UFC. They try to squeeze every dollar out of every single event they do. They pay the fighters the lowest margin of of, of earnings based on any sports league out there. So what I'm saying with all that is that the UFC is cheap essentially. Like. The reason they're doing 12 fight cards is because they have the venue booked for the whole day. So they might as well get as many fights in that they can to get as many people to watch as they can. Right. And so they're squeezing real, dollars. Those 15 fight cards, I mean, it's not 15, like, you know, ranked high level fights. Like, a lot of them are like low, cheap fights. Right. right like, 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 this last night was like six, like, top end fights. Like, all of these fights were guys that were apparently near the top five in their individual weight classes. Except maybe for Rugrug and uh, the the Swede in the start, but um, aside from that, man, I noticed that all the other all the fighters after their fights seemed really happy, even if they had lost, to have been in the ring and fought, which makes me think they're getting paid a lot better, and that losses aren't held against them the same way as they are in the UFC. Yeah, I get I get that vibe too, and I mean you got to also keep in mind, man, that like a lot of those countries over there are cheap. Like, the, the 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 translation right yeah like like if you live in thailand <coughs> or true. you live in singapore i mean like the dollars go a lot further over there so i mean even if you are like making 50k like you know like if like like, Cor- like if you're cormier what are these people training in aka and like, we talk about all the time that 50k in san jose like good luck that's a couple months of rent and you know a right. couple t- couple tesla payments but like uh uh, you know, yeah, he said, if you're living in, if you're living in Thailand, like, like I, I look at it all, all the time. That's like my dream vacation because it's like you can get like round like trip all inclusive like trips to like Thailand and Vietnam for like nine hundred dollars and some shit. And it's like that like yeah, a, a plane a, a plane ticket to like Oklahoma City is like six hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> like like uh, and so yeah, so like what yeah the. the paying a little more or treating them a little better or I don't know what it is. It would be interested. I would love to have somebody on that like knows like the the ins and outs the, the of like the business of one championship. That would be super interesting to learn about like fighter contracts and and uh, like just relationships and even even matchmaking and and, and matchmaking is something I want to get into a little bit. And I don't know if I'm have a problem with the matchmaking or if I have a problem with the broadcast, how they presented the matchmaking. I wanted to know if you caught on to this. Cause like by the fourth time they said it, I was like ready to pull out some dreads before every single fight, the fucking Australia, I don't know if he's Australian, British, whatever t- typical. American oh yeah. Guy, middle guy, middle guy. Camera, yeah. Middle guy, portly lad. Um, he, he, before every fight, Oh, this one's not expected to go the distance. It's like then why did they like what like what is this is a non competitive match? Is that what you're telling me? Like is, should I not be excited about it? Like I was getting so salty. Like I loved so many things about last night, but it can't be all fucking, you know, you know <laughs> roses and hand jobs like that. 
You know, I, I, I did you notice that A and did I, it bother I, you B? I, okay, so that guy just on the whole bothered me out of everyone that was casting the like the thing last <laughs> night. Like he was the guy where I was like, oh, this is the token guy that just talks a lot is really loud and tries to like just put hype in like almost like newspeak you know there's like the like the reporter voice like on npr well see i got that vibe and that's another one of my um kind of like demerits like when i was grading like or interpreting last night's card it it did feel more newsy more like because we talked about how it's kind of overproduced feels that, overproduced that, but that it's trend, good in some ways yes yes the, i feel like one of the ways it's not good was in the broadcast team like the commentators like you said it was more like uh i mean and, you know and it probably stems from the culture of and you have joe rogan as your lead guy he's literally a podcaster that like is known for smoking weed and drinking and you know he and and, and he talks all the time about how overproduction ruins stuff and how he wants it to be real and laid back and, and cormier you know he's used to talking with ariel and i mean they, they're pretty much literally all podcasters uh, or ex-fighters yeah and so uh which lends itself to being, you know, just straight to the point, direct. More in casual vibes. Like a yeah. UFC broadcast is super casual. It could be a podcast. It could be a barbershop. It could be bros watching fights. You know what I mean? Um, and, and this did feel very like, oh, we're bringing you a soccer match today. And I'm fucking, you know, Chet, whatever the fuck. And it's very like buttoned up and, and just, yeah, I did. It, it, that part did feel a little bit overproduced and kind of, I guess, dare I say corny, but, um, but you know, not the worst thing in the world, but it was one of the more noticeable differences. Like, I literally remember thinking last night, like, the only thing I'm missing about the UFC right now is the broadcasting. Me too. I remember, I remember like, distinctively, like, damn, like, if I just had, like, Anakin Rogan, or really like even Felder, like, DC any of those or guys. Felder, like DC and, or Felder would have just yeah. brought so much to it. Especially, like, I want to see like DC's reaction to like the kind of video game intros, like, oh man, like, like, like how cool that well, is. Like, like, DC loves uh, WWE, like, him and Ariel talk about it on their podcast, how much he loves it. So, I'm sure DC loves the way one championship is presented. And if he was a fighter in one championship, he probably would have loved it. And it seems like those guys honestly do love it like if you notice a lot of those guys after they won were just like flexing we're just like yeah we're just like super pumped now that could be because they don't drug test testosterone i don't know i'm not saying that i am saying that those guys were pumped to win though something else man that are like and we will kind of get into the fights not super deep but there's so many like the surface level things to talk about you know and i'm glad we're getting to all of them but one of the last ones i want to get to before we dive into the fights is um did you notice that like nowhere at any time was any weights mentioned or um they, yeah they, they kept they, they, yeah they never know they never yeah, they, they, did never, height. they always did they, height they all they only did height so like i was trying to really and i'm sure i could probably google it or whatever but uh I was trying to look into because the first part of the night, Umar, that low luck guy, Umar Khan, Kane Connett versus Patrick Schmidt, it was a heavyweight bout. But just just looking at them on eye test, they looked smaller than UFC heavyweights. Like, uh, right. at, least, at least some UFC heavyweights. Like, definitely guys like Nganu and Lesnar. Like, they weren't what, massive. Lewis, massive. Yeah. yeah, they weren't super massive. Like, NFL player huge. They were obviously big, strong guys. But they didn't look that big. So I was really 
because I was expecting like, oh, how many kilograms? I was like having my conversion pulled up. Like, I, was, <laughs> I, I was like, I really wanted to know like what, like what, how big these guys were. And um, they, yeah, they, they were. They, and I know so one FC, and I may correct me if I'm wrong. They're the ones that do the hydration tests, right? Correct. And they're kind of they're anti weight cutting, which yeah. is another reason why I wanted to know how like big these guys were. But I'm that makes me think, bro. There has to be like a spectrum. Like if you weigh between this and this, you're good. Because, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, because like, well, flyweight for them is one thirty-five. I know, not one twenty-five. If that makes sense, so they just all their weight class, like welterweight's one eighty. Welter, so okay, so so they do have to make that weight, but yeah, yeah. I, I found it so weird that. I know where I listed the guy's weight. Like, I, I was expecting them to, like, list it because everything was in the metric system. Is that yeah. it, 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 it did give me vibes of, like, because I, I, I sometimes watch rugby. I, mean, I, I, I think rugby is a fantastic sport, an underrated sport, a very entertaining sport to watch, and, and one of the few sports that actually does translate through the TV. I think rugby on TV is, is dope. Um, and – so, but but when you're watching these foreign broadcasts of like these New Zealand broadcasts of rugby, oh no, or like if, if for those out there that are soccer fans, I'm not a big soccer guy, but uh, didn't didn't you have that feeling like everything was listed in the metric system? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah the, the the accents on the broadcast team. And, I enjoyed it honestly, man. Like I, yeah. I watched a lot of like uh, League of Legends broadcasts, okay. and so for the like Korean and Chinese leagues, obviously, like. The competition shows are usually European people because it's the exact opposite time for us at night, right? So yeah. those matches are at 6 a.m. in the morning for us, but for the European guys, it's 1 p.m. for them. So easy for them to be awake. So I, I like that. I'm used to that. Like you said with soccer, same thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of appreciate and enjoy it. And, and it always reminds me that, like, it's, it is a foreign broadcast. Yeah, it was, it, it was cool. It was cool. It was cool being a part of it. And it was super cool having it on TNT because like usually you don't get to have your cake and eat it too like usually if you're watching these foreign leagues you know you're up at 3 a.m on a laptop you know like on some website or or, or you know it's or it's usually not on like a major channel like TNT like it was very easy to find out another huge complaint um huge complaint I guess it's because I live on the west coast um the goddamn they did it so stupid. So, like, um, it started at 10 p.m. East Coast, which is 7 p.m. Uh, West, West Coast. Coast. Yeah. So, at 7 p.m., I turn on my TV, go to TNT. It's AEW Wrestling until 10 p.m. my oh. time. They had a delayed broadcast. Now, I ended up watching it earlier than that. Just I, I had, like, the TNT app on my phone. And you and how I know it's West Coast because you can choose East or West. And on East, the fights were on. I got seven. Oh, it's I, so salty. And, and so I just don't. And then and then afterwards, because so I did. There was one fight I I missed. I missed the um the Eddie Alvarez fight. And because uh, I had to go pick up my wife from work, so whenever I was like, okay, I'll just catch it when it comes on stupidly at 10 p.m. West Coast. And uh. And so I turned back into that, and they were, like, essentially trying to act like it was still live. Like, there was no, like, previously recorded thing. Like, I was like, this is, like, I don't know. I, that part was very frustrating because I had to I watched the entire thing on my fucking seven-inch screen of my phone. So that that's another kind of complaint. Like, I, I got zero. I didn't get to enjoy having it on TNT pretty much. Like, for me, 
you know, I, it might as well have been on on whatever network. So I don't know. They need to get that in line for us West coaches, especially when you consider what's the closest thing to Asia and where's the, the West Coast? A- yeah, where's the most Asian population in America? The West Coast, like, like I don't know, and, like, and delayed broadcasts for live sports are never fun. Never, it just because it's not live. It takes the magic out of it. Like seriously, it's like going from color to black and white. Seriously, man. Uh, but uh, let's get into some of these fighters. Let's give these guys their shout outs and 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 like because like I said, this was my I think it was my first time watching these guys. Obviously, besides pretty much Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Alvarez. Um, yeah. But I think it's probably safe to say for you too, man. But yeah. um, Umar Kane, uh, which I guess he goes by Lug Lug, and he's from, and he's from um, uh, what what what? Man? Uh, Senegal. Senegal, which is, is that? That's it's, not is that the same Africa. country where um, when Ghana's from or no? No, and Ghana's from uh, Cameroon. Cameroon, that's right. Him and Embiid. They're Cameroon. close though, right? Yeah, I, I don't know, I think they're so. both yeah, they're both West African. For West sure. African, I know, for yeah. Sure. So um, and he he man he is a strong thick boy who, um you know, he he was big. Let's we'll just put it oh, that way. But that's what I wanted thick, to know thick. how big. Like I didn't like uh, it was I I was so curious to see how much he weighed. Like if it was he two thirty, was he two forty? I mean, was he just like a jacked like two twenty? Like I don't know. I he, think he was he to me like he was probably like two fifty. I, I I didn't know how. Yeah, it, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. It's hard, hard to, to tell. Everything is just like in a different. Uh, what do they call that? A different, um, um, like scale. Because like I don't know how big that, how tall that cage is. Like I could tell, like cage. You know, I, it was hard to tell how tall he was. Um, you know, the whole centimeters metric system thing. But uh, anyway, he was a thick boy, and he looked every bit of a heavyweight. And he was fighting Patrick Schmidt, and um, you know everybody. See, in this first fight of the night where he walked out, no one expects this one to go the distance. And I'm like, well. You're right. like, well, it's too heavyweight. It's like, okay, that makes oh, yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. The first, and I was like, okay, I think I know who he's I think I know who I think he's talking about. Yeah, I like, guess the money on Rug Rug or what? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, I've, never, I've never, never seen either of these guys before, but I'm pretty sure. Just visually, the, I was like, I think he's going to win. I think he's the favorite. I think, like, yeah, I think he was like minus 800 or something like that. Uh, yeah, minus like 720. And also, his hoodies were sick dude air Umar. yeah with like the puma kind of font like him throwing someone but it looks like the puma leaping i was like oh these are fire they were fire merch lug lug for real yeah no he earned a fan last night he was, he was dope and uh he fought exactly how you would like want a big muscle bound guy to fight he just walked forward like, yeah just like a tank just like <laughs> yeah. throwing bombs throwing bombs for sure uh it's like i don't know like i said it's hard to t- i don't know anything about patrick schmidt but it seemed to me like, you know, he, he was a little bit outmatched, but he was also very tough. Like, I mean, he was game. He, he wasn't scared in there. But uh, also, I, lo- I love they were, like, doing, like, sound effects in the, like, Yeah, arena. I know it. It reminded me it. of, like, 2K when you have, like, the sound effects, like, turned up. Dude, like, and, like, at, like, one minute remaining, the, the announcer always come over the mic and, like, for the whole arena and be like one minute remaining and it's yeah. like what the fuck it's cool you like very video game is very video game vibes like yeah the presentation is like vibes. it's all larger than life is like the way it's presented yeah which is when, which like like we could keep talking about it's great in some aspects and some things it's like man if you could just 
tone it down here and here. But I like the presentation overall. Like literally, I, visually, I had no problem. The in arena effects, I had no problem. The walkouts are fun. Walkouts so fun. Literally, just the broadcast team, and, and I'm sure it's just like a bias thing. Like we love our guys, right? Like that. We love those Anik and, and Rogan and DC. We, for the most part, we love those guys. So I yeah, think oh probably yeah, a they're bias. like this. They're like the staple of it, you know. It's kind of it's like if if and when Joe Rogan retires, because like he will obviously, so it's more of a win, not an if. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be sad. Same with yeah, Felder, well, same with DC, because those guys are just guys that are so good at what they do, and we're so used to hearing them now at this point. Yeah, yeah, but then we'll get the new generation. Like, are we gonna have right, like, Sean O'Malley one day? Dude, you know, oh my be, god, I'd be crazy. But uh, but yeah, man. So I mean, Luglug, Umar Kane, man. Uh, he he's, he got the TKO victory, so that was a that was a lot of fun starting the night off with a knockout. I uh, like I said, I questioned the matchmaking. I, I want to say that may have been a last minute replacement, and and with COVID, you know, that's always understandable, and we got to kind of you know just roll with the punches there. But uh, I said they, I don't know, or was it a kind of a cheap gimmicky thing of like, oh, let's give these Americans a knockout straight off the bat. It's like they scheduled their biggest power puncher against like a you know, lamb to the wolf slaughter. Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll find out more as the month goes on because we'll keep seeing these Wednesday cards and see if they, like, front load them or or how they do it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But but next was our first kickboxing match of the night, which I was super excited about. They said just to to see how that switched up the pace, how that looked on the eye, how it – just how it how it hit me, how it and it hit me. I I was smiling ear to ear. So one of the biggest differences, there's two main differences. Well, I mean, I guess three if you want to be super captain obvious about it. Number one, captain obvious, you no takedowns. It's striking only. It's a kickboxing match. Uh, number two, they're wearing like boxing gloves, so like no exposed fingers, no like right. grabbing. Um, and then, and then three, which is probably the most important, the three minute rounds. And in this case, three, three minute rounds. Um, right. Yeah. And so, like I said, I, I knew, I pretty much knew those things going in, but I, I didn't know how it was going to really affect it until the bullet started flying and God damn did it. Cause there's no threat of the takedown. And we all, when we're doing BP boys breakdown, we talk about it all the time. If you're a UFC fan, you've heard Daniel Cormier talk about it 9,000 times. It's not so much the takedowns and the wrestling as much as the threat of the takedown and how it sets up your striking in MMA. Now, in kickboxing, and and later we'll get to in Muay Thai as well, there's just literally no threat of it. Like, you literally just don't even have to bring it into your, like, realm of consideration. It's not a technique that is allowed. And, And so, as a result, they are just letting it fucking fly. Yeah, they do, though. Yeah, they do, though. Yeah, they Let do, though. Let go, because, like I said, you're not going to get taken down. So, like, uh, and, and, like, it just allows you to, like, throw crazier kicks. And, like, like you can throw, like, head kicks every fucking other strike because you're not going to get single leg, you know? And, right. and, and, and you can't catch kicks either. That was another big thing I noticed in the rules. You can't, like, catch kicks like in MMA. You throw the wrong kick or a lazy kick or, or a, a high kick at the wrong time, you can catch the kick and get taken down that way or, or get swept. Or there's a lot of things that can, you know, happen. Um, 
or you can get Kasanganade, Joaquin Buckley. Uh, but so no, <laughs> no, no catching the kicks, which just, like I said, it uh, it led to a ferocious pace, and um, and the big gloves led to like a willingness to exchange. Obviously, it takes heart and and two guys willing to trade, but I I couldn't help but notice. Guys were definitely willing to give one and take one with those bigger. I think what were they, sixteen ounce gloves or twelve ounce gloves? Twelve, I think twelve. And so they were much bigger than traditional MMA gloves, and just a little more, I guess, forgiving. But it reminded me of the conversation about how uh, in football you have more concussions than rugby, even though in in football you have a helmet because you're willing to go head to head, or like. you know, there's there's certain there's certain things like that. Studies have shown that like the more protection you give somebody, it can actually be more dangerous because they're willing to do more with it. And, it's like sparring um, with headgear on. They say it's yeah. worse because it limits your vision and allows you to take more shots cumulatively. It, and that's what it reminded me of watching the the big gloves with the kickboxing. Like those guys were eating shots. Dude, yeah. some of the upper some of the uppercuts that that Keel was eating in the first round were just like oh, like straight up the pipe, like snapping his head all the way back. Yeah, man. And so yeah, we haven't given the fighters a shutter yet. It was a uh, Shiagis Alizov versus Enrico Curl. Um, you know, he said the names remind me of something about the Harry Potter. You know, it was it was they were fighting that featherweight. Like I said, featherweight isn't one forty five. They looked about like like one fifty five, one sixty. That's what, that's what it should be one fifty five, yeah. one sixty. Yeah, hydration so, limit. Yeah, exactly. So they um they you know but they were just cracking. So like I said, they weren't tiny guys. It wasn't like they were flyweights or anything. They oh were, no, um, like those shots would hurt me. Fuck. They were throwing just bombs and eating bombs and trading and like like I said that pace because it was three minute rounds and because it was only three three minute rounds it was just not only foot on the gas like foot on the gas with nitrous just the exchanges just oh like yeah five six op- shots five six shots back five six shots back it was like a fucking karate movie and the openness of or like the willingness to just trade to just the like open up and just start to throwing. Trade. Yeah, like I said, you there was no threat of the takedown. There was no you, and, and it wasn't a Muay Thai fight, so there wasn't even really any clinch. So like, just you stand in the pocket, just standing right in fucking front of each other, just fucking, just letting them fucking fly, just just bite oh, down to the mouthpiece and rip, dude. It was yeah, sick. It, it was, was sick. sick. It was so entertaining. Like certainly, like I said, I didn't know these guys rank. I didn't know the implications of what it meant for the division. Like I had, yeah, no I didn't know con- anything about it. I had no context. <laughs> didn't need it. It was so entertaining. So I, man, I was all in. Like I was literally like leaving there. Like, why the fuck do I not watch more kickboxing? What is wrong with me? What do you call yourself a combat <laughs> sports fan? Like, 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 why is boxing even famous? Like, why did like, like, I'm not even like, I'm just gonna go. Yeah, boxing compared to like, yeah, compared boxing to what, kickboxing sucks. And Muay Thai, like, give me like, like, I'm down to like, like, start ordering like kickboxing cards. Like, man, like that shit. Like, I literally became a fan. Now, what I want to know is, was that like an exceptionally high paced fight? And exceptionally, like two exceptionally game fighters, like is that the equivalent of watching like McGregor Diaz and thinking every MMA fight's going to be like that? Like, were those just two bad motherfuckers, or is that just par for the course for kickboxing? Because, like I said, I have no context, no 
frame I, of reference. But if that's like your average kickboxing match, take my motherfucking money, bro. Like, like if that's average, like if that was just like, yeah, yeah, like nobody even got finished. Like, yeah, what? What's the big deal? Like, like that's just two guys doing the sport of kickboxing. Like, if that's the case, like, dude, I'm gonna have to go balls deep. What's crazy is they used to have like, the Glory Kickboxing yeah. Channel, which well, like. And they was, used to, I swear to God, they used to have kickboxing on ESPN and shit. Like, I remember being a kid, yeah. like, scrolling through at, like, a random time at, like, a random day. They used day. to do K1. They used to put the K1 Grand Prix on ESPN, too. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I feel like that, it's harder to find nowadays. Like, I don't even know. Like I said, I got to – I'm about to have to get my fandom on. I have to probably get a couple more goddamn subscriptions. But uh, the uh, – the uh, oh, man, what am I thinking of? Oh, the guys – I was. this is what I'm going to say as far as the kickboxing records – uh, that one guy had a record of sixty-four and one. So I think those guys were very, very high-level kickboxers because Izzy's kickboxing record was seventy-five and five when he quit, and he was considered one of the best in the world. Can you, can you imagine watching it styled? I gotta like go back and watch that. Can you imagine Izzy did oh kickboxing? I watched a couple of them. I watched oh, a couple. Man. Of them. I watched him get knocked out too. Yeah, I see. I watched him get knocked. I've seen like little tiny clips, but I, I am not like a full fight. That seems entertaining as fuck. Think about it. There's some kid that like just like probably was like at a cheap like free kickboxing event or something, and then got to watch it. Izzy just bang it out as like a up and comer. That shit was pretty so dope. Oh man, but yeah, that was so fun. And I thought it was super important to note about the circle that. I mean, it's obvious, but, like, it actually affects the in-fight action quite a bit, is that a circle obviously has no corners. Right. There was no – there's no corner to, like, get anybody into. It uh, It it makes for, once again, kind of less of the stalemates, like, less uh, – I feel like it's easier for guys to get off the cage and like and you can't just push somebody up against the cage. I mean, you can, but I just there's always it creates a better angle for escapes and like reversals up against the cage. We I saw mean, a lot of that. Yeah, honestly, in the uh, in the Demetrius Johnson fight, which we'll get to, it was super obvious that like at, at with guys that small, when there's no corners, it's all movement. There's really no cage action. Unless, unless they're just choosing to be there, because essentially yeah. at any point you can kind of just slide off of it. Yeah, you can like just roll around, like yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So I thought that was, um, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Like it wasn't, it, it was more significant than I thought it would be, because like I've watched other promotions where it's like a hexagon, or or uh, you know, I guess I've seen other cage, other other fights in a circle, but uh, it's harder to see it with like lower level promotions. Like you just, it's harder to. The, the the fighters don't really display the you know the parameters as much as like the high level guys. So watching those high level guys in a circle, it was very obvious. Imagine if we watched it though in the square, which they also do. Like imagine the difference of a ninety degree corner versus no corners. That's pretty versus sharp. no corners at all. That's massive. That's super massive. Or if oh. you're a guy that likes to like fight up against the cage and there is no cage, like. Yeah, you, you talk about having to adapt. Or or if you're a striker, you're just going to be better in the boxing ring. Oh, that, I mean, that just makes sense. That's like if you're like a super like fast football team and they have like, you know, turf or super short grass versus like, you know, you, you go play a road game against some country school and they got, you know, four inch thick grass to like, yeah. you know, and they're a little bit of a slower team and. 
you know, like, like that stuff. It happens in other sports. Or like in baseball is a great example, uh, you know, uh, like the Colorado Rockies and the, and the New York Yankees have the, the tiniest stadium. So, like, they hit a lot of home runs. And the Rockies like, are the thin air. It's just, it's thin it's just air. cheating. You're gonna, they're gonna, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, different, different sports have that. But yeah, in the U.S. <coughs> and the USA experienced it for the first time with the smaller octagon. So it's like it happens, but it's just cool to see how different. It, it definitely affects strategy and, and in fight um, action. It just 100 percent does. But it's very interesting. Um, man, um, we got to watch some some Dagestani smash last night. I was uh, yeah, he was trains happy. out of Eagles MMA too. He yeah. trains with Khabib and those guys. Like, yeah, like, exactly. I was like, damn, this is like giving me everything I wanted, really low key. I was like, this is leaving no stone unturned because, like I said, and this was immediately following um a kickboxing fight. So it's like you, I just had to watch that banger of a kickboxing match with dudes just trading at an insane uh pace but then i get the you get all your itches scratched you know and then you get some dagestani samba as well uh, right yeah which and- which i will say shout out to their broadcast team for this one thing which is that they said sambo is actually uh an acronym for what it means which yeah. i never knew so i mean shout I out to them that actually either. that was that a was cool, cool fact to learn taught me something yeah like you said I, I was i was watching last night with the full intent of learning and like seeing something different um, but yeah, so they were welterweights, but see, this is, like I said, with that hydration cut, they pretty much looked like middleweights, right? Like just, yeah, like on they're the like eyes. 180, 182, somewhere exactly. And I thought it was crazy. So, um, the, the, the Dagestani guy, Raymond Magomedov Aliyev, Magomed Aliyev, Magomed Aliyev was, uh, he was former, um, Russian military, which is terrifying. Yeah, he, he was fighting Tyler McGuire, who's active U.S. Air Force, which I thought yeah, was staff sergeant. Cool. And then he had like special forces on the back of his like shorts. Like, I wonder like I what said, he that, does. That combined with the fucking like video game sound effects, like I was like in full like eighties like fucking fight movie mode. Like I was like, this yeah. is like Mortal Kombat. Like, I'm fucking, I'm here for it. This, uh, I was having a good time. Uh, you know, classic. Cold War vibes going, you know. Let's get it. Inter- entertaining it. fight and super weird once again to note that we're not scoring the rounds. Like not- it was so weird to go through that. Exactly, exactly. Um, man, um, but man, I'm just gonna call him Raymond because that last name is kicking my ass. Raymond, the, yeah. Dag- the Dagestani fella, man, he was fucking good. I mean, a shock, surprise, surprise. But man, every every motion he did was so efficient. Like those little short lead elbows he would throw, and they were just so the knees from the clinch on the cage were so violent, so big, and just and then like when he would reverse and like every little movement, every little movement he did was like explosive, but not like wasteful explosive. You know, like still oh like Like, very oh yeah, like when he went just like like sudden. That Kimura reversal from the whenever he was almost mounted and like fully got back over the top. It was like, damn man, like. He he knows what he's doing down there, and like it, it was so his hips were level. just insane. It was so high level, like you can't watch that guy and be like, "Oh yeah, I'm watching a lesser promotion right now." Like like that shit he was doing would work essentially against anybody. Like yeah, you know, I mean, I think in the UFC he'd be really good. Exactly, I really do. Like that shit was fucking impressive. Like it jumped off the screen to me. Um, but yeah, he looked good. But man, Tyler McGuire, tough, tough son of a bitch. You know, he's an active military. He he 
he wasn't he wasn't going out of there easy, but uh, you know he 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 got he got more than he could handle with with the um, Raymond Magomed Ali in. But uh, but yeah, so he ended up did did it go to decision? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. It did. And uh, I mean, I thought Magomed Ali definitely won. Uh, but McGuire was like tough, man. Like he never stopped fighting or working, and like had some really good points uh, at the end of the second, beginning of the third. Yeah, it's like he's one of those guys. Like sometimes tough and durable mean the same thing, but like he wasn't durable. Like he was getting beat to shit. He was all right, up, but right. But he he just kept coming. So yeah, shout out to him. He he uh, you know he lost, but he he still made America look good for sure. Staff Sergeant Tyler McGuire, and then uh, so that's when I had to go leave and pick up my wife. And I missed the start of the main card, but uh, it turns out I didn't miss all that much. I didn't find out. I stayed off social media, so I didn't find out until like later. That's why I texted you. I was like, I, I, I one fight I got to go back and watch. But God damn it, not a. And what, was this was this Eddie Alvarez's one championship debut? No. Uh, so in his debut, he lost to Mastiukin, Timothy Mastiukin, who's number three in that division, and then. Uh, he had a fight two years ago or like a year and a half ago against someone else in which he got a come from behind victory and submitted in the third round. And so now he's fighting against Yuri Lapkus to pretty much try and get a title shot after this. Really? Uh, okay. So yeah, yeah kind so of like, kind of like a super shitty result too. Cause I thought Eddie Alvarez looked great in the start. He did. Yeah, he did. He did. He came out looking good. Um, he, was essentially in full control, full control of the fight. Uh, I thought was looking really good. Um, had the fight where he wanted it. Um, I I guess let's just cut to the chase. He he ends up getting disqualified for blows to the back of the head. Um, now there's a lot of I guess debate and I guess controversy of. Was it to the back of the head? Was it to the side of the head? Was it to the ear? One thing that I really, really, really liked was the clear definition that one championship gives us. They said that if the punch is touching the ear, you're good. If that punch is not touching the ear, you're not good. Sorry about hands on any part of the ear. Then it's considered not the back of the head, which I agree with. Like, if you can touch the ear with your fist when you're hitting someone, it's probably not the back of their head. Now, unfortunately for Eddie Alvarez, what we get into is, like, two or three of those shots might have caught the back of the head. Yeah. Well, and another huge, huge factor was Lepicus was turning his head away. which we've Purposefully. Seen this, and we've seen that in the UFC. Was it was it Dos Santos knockout? or? Uh, um, or was yeah, it? Junior Dos Santos, yeah. Yeah, that's he correct. Turning, he turned his head away and caught head. the elbow. Yes, yes, and, and they ended up in the UFC. Ended up ruling that was good. That was that was okay because Dos Santos was turning his head. Correct. Correct. Yeah, they, they said they, it was like a transition move. Like you weren't. They were saying like turning your head isn't a defense. Like that's just yeah. you avoiding the fight. So that was the whole controversy, and 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 both sides are essentially right. Like. Did Eddie Alvarez hit him in the head behind the ear? Yes, I think he did. And but was it the other guy's fault for turning his head? And is that like a legal defense? Like you know, that's you like know, should that's, that be an illegal defense to turn your head? 
And so I definitely think Eddie Alvarez kind of got the short end of the stick, but I'm not going to debate and say he didn't hit him in the back of the head. One of those tricky things. Um, but it was it was disappointing, like because like I said, I want I, I wanted to see Eddie Alvarez do good. You know, one of the few Americans on the card. Like I wanted to see him represent, and uh, he was looking. Like I said, by all accounts, he was looking really good. But I, I guess it, like my main thing that I was saying whenever I don't know if there was like a disconnection or whatever. But uh, one of the main things I was saying is I really loved the clear black and white definition they gave us. Like unlike the NFL with like the definition of a catch, like. They, they 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 gave a clear like line of like ear no ear you know they they make it very easy and it just goes to show you can have a perfectly written rule very black and white and there's still gonna be some room for debate in some gray area so now okay. apparently I don't know if this I because at first I thought this guy was just selling it super hard right I thought he was just acting acting like he couldn't continue so he gets the DQ win but then I realized. It's too early in the fight to get a win that way because you haven't scored anything at all. And then, furthermore, he got stretchered out after, apparently. Oh, so, yeah, he was – because after – I said back to the head or not, he got knocked the fuck out afterwards, and those were some gnarly hammer fists. Uh, right. And so – now, the only thing I'll push back on, because I've been pretty, you know, Team Alvarez up to this point, the ref warned him. The yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Watch the back of the head. And Eddie Alvarez was, like, arguing back, saying, like, I'm not hitting him in the back of the head. And – or I think he was actually saying, like, he's turning he his saying head. He's turning he, he was his saying he's turning his head. I'm hitting the ear. And I, I, I got to say, the fact that he was warned and chose to argue back as opposed to, like, posturing up more or going for a submission or – there's a lot of other options he could have taken. And it does make it kind of hard to feel bad for him because, like, right, wrong, or indifferent, the ref, like, gave you a chance to stop and he told you, like, exactly, like, what the problem was. Like, it's, I don't know. He said, I was, I've been pretty Team Alvarez, but, like, just being objective with it, like, if you get DQ'd for, like, the exact thing the ref tells you, like, you're about to get DQ'd for, like, and he gives you a chance to stop doing that action, whether you agree or disagree, really isn't up to you at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, oh, yeah. And I will say we got to see a fun promotional difference here as well where the ref gives him a red card, which is a DQ, and I guess yellow is you lose a point. Yeah. So uh, that's I, a fun little promotional difference. I like it. I like it. I, do too. I think it's yeah. a lot clearer Vis than like the UFC having some like sketchy huddle. Fucking everybody's kind of looking at each other. What should we do? Asking the knockdown fighter. Like, you know, I thought it was a very, I thought it was a much more clean process between the clean rule definition and then the card situation. It just, it all was very black and white and kind of obvious, even though there still was a little room for debate. By the way, are we going to give a shout-out to Dom Lau, the guy that's there, Octagon announcer or ring announcer? That dude was, like, getting it hard. I fucked with that dude hard. I, I liked all of it. I, I did. I did. I thought he did a great job. I did. Because, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's one of those things where it's, like, kind of the who can get closest to Bruce Buffer contest. But Right. But that I, dude did I, a good job. He did a good job. He did a really good job. Now, let's get to – 
I guess the saddest part of the night, but it was, I guess, also the the most fun part of the night because you got to be excited. <laughs> um, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, and they were, you know, they were selling him as the GOAT. And, I mean, the, the, there's a heavy argument for the pound-for-pound pound GOAT for Demetrius Johnson. Um, he's oh, yeah. The one, He's the only reason the UFC even still has a flyweight division, essentially. Like, he essentially brought it back from the brink there. And uh, and actually, you know, it was one, he, he was also one of the first uh, small guys to kind of prove – because for the longest time, it said the small guys will never be a star, never be a star. Um, you know, nobody really cares if you're that small. It's not fun to watch. There's all these kind of, like, common – Things you would hear to kind of hate on the flyweights and the bantamweights and things of that nature. And uh, Demetrius Johnson kind of was like one of the, you know, first guys in the UFC to shut that down, like I said, and uh, keep that, keep the division alive. And uh, he was, you know, major star power, you know, a long list of accomplishments, goes over to one championship. And, um, you know, he's taking on, I guess, their current flyweight champion, uh, Adriano Marias. Adriano Marias, who was a plus five forty underdog, even though he was the champion, um, and and then Demetrius Johnson had a good number, which you got to think that number's inflated, probably for they knew it probably more American betters than usual were going to. Oh be yeah, oh um, yeah. But but needless to say, he is a legend, and uh, you know, so it's, but it's not often you see the champ defending his belt as a plus five forty underdog. That was a pretty interesting. That jumped off the screen to me. Yeah, well, and uh, Demetrius Johnson is the winner of the flyweight Grand Prix over there. So everyone fought in a Grand Prix essentially to see who the like the number one flyweight was, and he won it, and that's why he's fighting Marias. But it's also like everyone I I guess thought from the way he had beaten the guys that he had fought that were common opponents, they were like, oh, he should also beat Marias. But honestly, Adriano Marias looked really good in there, man. He was really fast. Like I, I thought that was a good challenge. And he's huge. He's so long. He's, he's, so like long. he's like Figueredo. So, Him and Figueredo would be a fun fight. They're both one twenty-five. Yeah, that's about, I mean, that's the natural place to go. Yeah, so I mean, they said uh, Marais ends up knocking out Demetrius Johnson, first person to ever finish Demetrius Johnson, and um, it was in brutal fashion. He um, oh, dude, a, yeah. another rule difference comes into play. So he hits him with a big uppercut, drops him, and then while he's on the ground, he like knees him in the side of the head. And yeah. that is not legal in the UFC, but it's totally – you're not allowed to kick a downed opponent in the head and one, to my, from my understanding. Correct, But yeah. But the knee, ground-to-ground knee is, is inbounds in, in one championship, but would not be in the UFC. Aljamain Sterling was on Twitter being pretty vocal about that. You know, he hated to see that happen to him and that he likes the UFC rules better for that exact reason. Well, it's funny because DJ had just come out this this week leading up and said that he wished the UFC had one rules because he was like knees from the ground, like he was like that's part of fighting. He was like, I don't understand why the UFC doesn't allow those. And so it was funny to see that, like, because he thought that Peter Yan should have won. That's essentially what they asked him. So it's funny oh, to see Aljo come out uh, and say like that sucks. Oh, uh, I see. I see. I didn't know the context there, so there was a little politics going on there. That's funny. yeah. Um, but but. I don't know how where I stand on it. Um, you know what? It wasn't that violent as it sounds. Like I mean, Demetrius Johnson was fine afterwards. So I mean, we've seen it's like 
like that needs illegal, but Francis and Garner's hammer fist what is on a on an unconscious Stipe, like that's like that's way more damaging. Like if you're talking like a danger <laughs> if you're talking like a danger, like like morality, like if that's your reason for it being illegal, I don't really think it has that much like legs to stand on. Um That's essentially how, what the UFC is trying to stand it on. How do you, how do you feel about it? What's your thoughts on it, bro? Like, I like uh, I like the knees to guard opponents, honestly. I think it's it, I think that's I, just a part of a fight. I think I think it's like you should have to be down too. Like like if you're down, and yeah, I don't want to see you jump in for a flying knee from the top. Like Jesus, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that starts to turn into like like thug beat down. You know what I'm saying? But like, uh, I think ground to ground. Like yeah, yeah, like like uh, like they have like surface to air missiles, like ground to ground knees. <laughs> Ground to ground knees. I'm down with. I'm down with. Honestly, like I said, I know people didn't want to see it happen to DJ, but DJ said DJ himself not only signed up for it, agreed to those unified rules, and also like advocated for it. So yeah, like literally was like promoting them this week. So, so yeah, no, I, I'm on board with it. Like, and like I said, uh, Mariah's was so much longer. That's a that's immediately what uh, Demetrius said after the fight. He said he was totally able to give interviews after the fight. He's okay. Um, he was saying that, like, because of his length, it, it, like, he had to take gambles to get inside, which is the case. Like, whenever a right. shorter fighter fights a longer fighter, you got to, like, take risks to get inside. And um, and then so he got caught. And, uh, and, and man, just – man, Mariah's is so long. And, of course, so that's the natural question that comes to mind. So he beat the, the flyweight GOAT. How does he look against Figueroa in a hypothetical cross-promotional match? First off, I don't know if he could make 125. Like They would have to use one's weight-cutting rules. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, 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 right. But which, that actually uh, which, helps Figueroa. Right, that's Figueredo what I was going to say. Super struggle. So Figueroa would come in there looking like a goddamn bodybuilder. Um I honestly but like Figueroa in the fight, man, because I think Marias is faster than Figueroa, but I think Figueroa is just his power is a different level. And they're both Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts, so you kind of have to assume those might cancel each other out. Marias is like that, like like Sean O'Malley long, though. Like, so long. True. Like, he's fluid, like, too. He's very fluid. So fluid. And then, like, yeah, just so long. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen a flyweight that long. Oh, the Chinese kid. Um, oh, like Sumodarji? He, he's not as good, but he has that similar long build. Right. Like, uh, but but that's what it reminded me of, that super long, super long flyweight. So that would be a crazy matchup. I I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, if Figueroa could get inside, and if he could go in their way in like 140, that would be a, a nightmare. And if he could get him on the ground, I think he uh, – but, but Mariah's is, is – uh, is Brazilian too, right? So like, right, so, yeah. Like, the two baddest flyweights in the world are Brazilian right now. I mean, it sounds like Brazil's got some of the baddest small men on the planet. Definitely, definitely. So, and then uh, we'll keep it pushing though, because that was a lot of fun. I mean, it, it wasn't fun seeing DJ get finished, but I mean, it was it was interesting. And once again, like, is proving the gap between the other promotions in the UFC may not be as big as. As as I know, I won't speak for you as I may have thought it was, because uh, like I said, between Michael Chandler's success and then Patricio's success over Michael Chandler, and then um, it, Mariah's success over Johnson, 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's starting to paint a picture of whether or not there was ever a big gap or whether or not that gap is shrinking. Like, it's hard to tell how much of that is perception versus reality and how much of that is marketing and how much of that is us living here in America so we don't see that much one. Uh, You know what I mean? And I'll just admit I'm not the biggest Bellator guy. So it's hard it's hard to tell for me to like if that if that gap was big and is shrinking or if it never was that big and it was just like perception you know what are your I, thoughts I, on that I think it used to be as big as we think and I think now it's as close as we think and okay. the reason I say it like that is because when you think about guys like uh Khabib and DC guys that train at these big big well well-known gyms that have guys in multiple fighting organizations yeah I mean, why would it why would it be Khabib and his dad's goal for him to be the UFC champion over all the other leagues? Or why would DC be out there saying that the best fighters on the planet fight in the UFC? I think those guys probably know. You know what I mean? So I, I think I think it's one of those things that where, yeah, like if one was to put a fifteen fights on a card like the UFC does, those lower end fights would be worse than the UFC's yes. lower end fights. Like the UFC yeah. has depth. But right. if we're if we're talking like top two, top three from each division, then I think the gap is pretty close, especially with guys like Habib retiring, and we'll see what the situation in John Jones is. Um, but but yeah, man. I mean, like I said, I think in certain divisions, definitely more so than others, that gap is definitely closer than certain people think. And then I'm putting myself in that certain people group. I think. I, that was obviously the the like underlying over overlooming question, kind of when you're watching these other promotions is like kind of stacking it up to the UFC, and it stacked up pretty fucking nice. It stacked yeah. up good. I was it impressed. Um, all right, and then let's get to the, like the final, the main events. Also, I was um I was confused because the the DJ fight finished and um it was only like seven thirty. Yeah, like 739, like 7.30, 7.40. And I was confused because, like I said, up until this point, I thought that that was the main event. And I was like, so is there another fight? Did somebody get COVID? And what's going on here? Uh, was there a time miscommunication type of situation? Like, I thought it was over. And then, and then no, it turns out that we still had the Rod Tang versus, uh, Rod Tang versus Daniel Williams Muay Thai catchweight fight. And so the, both of these guys were champions – Muay Thai champions. Uh, Rod Tang is the one championship Muay Thai champion. Uh, and yeah. then Willie, Williams was a champion in some other promotion, um, some Muay Thai promotion. And uh, they were getting together for a three-minute three, three minute round Muay Thai catchweight fight. And uh, What, said, a, what a war. Only, what a war. Um, and for those wondering, what's the difference between Muay Thai and kickboxing? Muay Thai – Essentially, in Muay Thai, there's knees and elbows. In kickboxing, no knees and elbows. In this particular Muay Thai fight, they were wearing four-ounce MMA gloves. So you got the loose fingers. Like I said earlier, in the kickboxing, they're wearing like traditional boxing gloves with no exposed fake knees. And I think they were 12 ounces. So that's some of the major differences. And um, and correct me if I'm wrong, in Muay Thai, you can grab the back of the head, right? Yes, yeah, you, you you can clinch like the neck and up. Yeah, the neck and up. Like, there's no takedowns. There's no grappling. 
but you can kind of grab the back of the head and like, you know, that's why they literally call it a Muay Thai clinch or a Thai clinch when it happens yeah. in MMA because that's allowed in Muay Thai. So, um, so yeah, some, some of the subtle rule differences will, you know, seem like subtle differences if, you know, if you're not familiar with it, but if you're in there, you know, if you're in there locked in a cage with somebody and they're allowed to knee and elbow you or not allowed to knee and elbow you, it's not so subtle of a difference. Yeah, big difference. Big, big difference. difference, for sure. And then, yeah, so Rod's a scary guy. So, like, the thing is, like, so if you would have asked me, like, a couple weeks ago, just, like, do you know who Rod Tang is? I would have been like, is that, like, a flavor of drink? But yeah, right. the, the yeah. thing is, like, if you would have, like, showed me, like, a little, like, Instagram clip or something of him, I recognize his face and, like, his style. And, like, I've seen so many, like, highlights of this guy um, and just, like, little clips of how, like, crazy he is and stuff. Because he's, like, he'll do these things in his fights where he'll put his hands down and he'll just, like, flex and he'll just, like, eat shots. But yeah, eat like shots and then, like, yell at them and then re-square up and start throwing his own shots. And he even says in the pre-fight interview for this, he was like, I like to feel my opponent's power sometimes before I unleash <laughs> fight on them. And I was like, Jesus Christ. It's crazy. Like, because like, guys in the industry <coughs> try, try to do it, but they do it in times when they know they're not going to get hit. Like, when they have a guy almost finished and they put their hands behind their back and all that. Um who was that? Is that Jimmy? Uh, yeah, it's Jimmy. He's talking about Rod Tank's record being like 250 and 42, which – Insane. It's insane. It's insane. just the craziest record. Yeah, it's, it's such a crazy record. It's like he's a true warrior. Like like all these guys, like like Colby Covington, the fight, you know, once every, you know, three years. And, and you know, uh, just – they didn't take it. Like look at Rod Tank, man. They're 300-something fight, not afraid to take an L, keeps it pushing, just as scary after his L's. Like, uh, maybe scarier. Yeah, scary. He's only 23 years old. Just an absolute warrior. So damn fun. And so, like I said, we, um, everything we said earlier about the three by three, three round, three, three minute round kickboxing match of just the pace it creates, and everything we said about the lack of threat of takedown just allows these men to throw just. Just take that to a whole nother level with the, with the knees, the elbows, and just the ferocity of Rod Tank. But, I mean, Williams just – he was game, and he was down to give Rod Tank everything he wanted. And, I mean, it takes two to tango, and he, he was a, a perfect dance partner for this. Yeah, awesome. Oh, there you go. Can you hear me? There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was really pretty dominant in the first round, but, like, you could tell that uh, Daniel's last name was Williams. Is that correct? Yeah, Daniel Williams. Yeah, yeah, Mini T. I like that nickname yeah. as well. That's like, yeah, uh, yeah, me too. Uh, but you could tell that he was dangerous, man, because he was tough. He was throwing back some hard shots, but Rod Tank could eat shots, too, because there were a couple that landed, and he just, like, kept coming forward, like, even more aggressively after he'd eat a shot. And I was like, my God. He, like, actually likes it, like, like, you know, Chael Sonnen's always calling the UFC guys, like, fake tough guys. And it's like, I always thought that was, like, an absurd statement. I'm like, oh, some of the baddest dudes in the world. And Chael Sonnen always mocks that. Then you see guys like Rod Tate, and it's like, oh, is that kind of – is that what he's talking about? Like, dude, yeah, it's like, real. oh, this is a He's the real fucking deal, man. Like, the real fucking deal. Like, just, like, your bullshit meter is, like, asleep. Like, there's no lies detected. Like, when Rod Tang acts like he like, like I'm saying, like what I'm getting at is like in the UFC, a guy will get tagged and then like 
a couple seconds later, he's like, oh, I better smile and act like it didn't hurt me. And it's like this right. real forced, fake, like, it drives me nuts. I, I bitch about it on Beefy Boys all the time. But, like, uh, but when Rante, like, acts like he, like, likes getting hit, like, that's not an act. Like, he's like, fuck yeah, like, this is fucking warfare. Like, this is like, much, it, like Yeah, like, it juices him up, and then he starts going harder. It's like, it like, charges him up to get hit. Like, no lies detected. Like, zero bullshit. Like, he's, a, like, not a fraud. He's a real fucking deal. Uh, but, yeah, he ends up getting the unanimous decision. And, like I said, I mean, it was pretty back and forth, though. And I, I don't know. Maybe I'm tripping. Did Rob Tank slip in round one, or did Williams drop him? Uh, it, he was saying it was a slip. Williams kind of caught him. It was. I thought it was like a 50-50. I think they uh, they awarded a slip rather than yeah, a me, Yeah, they did. Because I was like, am I the only one that's acting like Because I thought it was a knockdown. And then when round two, when Williams got knocked down, they were like, oh, first knockdown of the fight. I'm like, well, what? Like, did I'm not tripping? But I guess, yeah, I guess they marked it as a slip. Um. But, man, no Quentin Williams. He was down to bang with one of the scariest motherfuckers in the world. Um, oh, and also in Muay Thai, I thought it was super interesting. There was a moment where they kind of took a little break, and I didn't really understand what was happening. Uh, because was oh, to get the blood or off. Something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rod Tang actually caught, uh, called a, a break to get the blood wiped off of him, get his opponent's blood wiped off of him, which – and it's – it's not really, I guess, a competitive thing because, like, since you're not really grappling, right? Or it just—I guess he just thought it was gross and wanted that guy's blood off of him. Right? I don't know. Is it the I don't know thing, if that's or... like a Muay Thai like tradition thing, like when yeah. you're covered in someone's blood, they wipe it off of you. I don't know how that works, but I don't. I, yeah, exactly. I, I I thought that was very interesting because it was my first time ever watching like a sanctioned Muay Thai fight. And so I was like, is this like a common thing? Is it just like something Rod Tang prefers? Is it? Just like a, it's like a sneaky little way to milk it, some catch your wind a little bit, um, dude. No, I will yeah. say he started putting the work in on Mini T in the second round, and it was just like I felt, I felt like like piecing him up. That's when he dropped him and then had just had him rocked, literally dancing on the cage oh, for yeah. ninety seconds. But shout out to Daniel Williams for being tough coming back and oh, honestly yeah. looking really good in the third round. Like you could yeah. tell that by the end of the fight, Rod Tang was like super impressed with how good Daniel Williams was. Yeah, afterwards they both like bowed to each other too, like very traditional. And I thought it was cool. You see those little like things dangling off the back of the arm bands, arms. Yeah. It's like traditional Muay Thai. Like, it goes back like I think hundreds or if not thousands of years. It's a very like part of their culture. I thought that was cool that they allow them to wear those. I think that's very awesome. That was really cool. Um and um, Rod Taylor, so after it was done, they were like, what's next for you? You know, you're already, you know, the the one Muay Thai champion. You just beat this other champion. What's next? Or they, they were trying to, like, get him to commit to an MMA fight. They kept, like, bringing it up. Yeah, they but, wanted uh, to. Uh, they, they ended, he ended up saying, though, he wanted to go after the kickboxing uh, championship for one. So fight the fight once. So it's cool. It's, like, not a cross-promotional because it's the same promotion but cross – Cross sport, same cross promotion. disciplinary, yeah. I, I mean, that's like got to be the wet dream for whoever, like whoever the Dana White of one is. That's like best case scenario, right? Because they get it. It's like cross promotional, but well, they get all the chips. Ideally, like there could like, and they would call that person the one champion. I assume that if they could across all divisions hold a belt, like, and how sick of a fighter would you be if you could do that? Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. That's so interesting. That's so badass. Like I said, it's the the possibilities there. Dope. What is that stuff? 
and Tyler and the mothers would th- tear their threads from their clothes and then wear them around their uh, oh, or yeah. tie them around their son's arms for before battles or war. That's, that's right. That's, that's right. Yeah. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for that comment. That was actually helpful. I forgot that. Yeah, it's like a, it's part of you know ancient tradition. That's that's really cool that they like said because. In the UFC, they wouldn't allow that. Like, like they're like, yeah, ancient tradition. I don't give a fuck that it's not sanctioned. Take it off. But yeah, that's sick. They just asked where the armbands come from. But oh, yeah. so, so what were your overall thoughts on uh, one championship as promotion, fight league? Like, I think we both obviously agree. Like, we're going to be back next week. Oh to watch. yeah. As far as like, yeah, that I'm hooked. Like, it, it was so entertaining. Um, especially like I said, I'm, I, I was Jones and there was no UFC card this week. Um, so we'll see how I feel in like three weeks when I've done like UFC one, UFC one, like, like two cards a week back to back. Like we'll see if like by, by, by week four, if I'm just over it or if, if I'm still hooked or maybe by then, do I like it more than the UFC? We'll see where this kind of journey goes. But on night one, my initial one experience Super stoked on it. Like I said, one of my big questions that got answered was, like, the level of competition. Like, how is it? Now, I'm really going to be see, be interested in moving forward is, like, the matchmaking. Like, did they keep just, like – like, I don't know. Because we ended up getting some bangers. And, and, and the, the Demetrius Johnson fight, that was great matchmaking. But, like I said, that before every fight, oh, this one might not go the difference. Like, is that matchmaking? <laughs> like the, the the gigantic spread, the, the gigantic money lines. Like, is that typical of a one card? Like, do they kind of set one guy up for success? Like, that's something I'm interested to see because I won't be, I won't like that. The UFC does a great job of like putting their best fighters against each other and giving us great matchups. So I'll be interested to see if that kind of like how that compares to the UFC, uh, or if they keep just doing these big money line like favorable matchups. Uh, even though we did see an upset in those, we, that was still like a plus six hundred. Um, and but visually, because that's what I kept hearing, like Brendan Shaw, other people talked about, like how visually appealing one championship was, and just the whole production. Could not agree more. That was fucking sick. The walkouts, like I'm here for all that. Just like because because the, the thing is, in my opinion, and maybe other people would disagree. It didn't come across as forced or corny. It was no. just cool. It was just cool. They yeah. did it cool. Like, uh, and they were, like, <laughs> on brand for, like, the whole – because, like, you know, like, like the Asian, like, to- people – Americans go to Tokyo and they're amazed by, like, the technology and the just the visual appealing of everything. And I thought that was kind of, like, on display in that, you know, production. I said I did – now, as far as – um. I did miss, like, the UFC, like, commentators. Like I said, I wasn't as big of a fan of those guys. And it's hard for me to tell if it was just their style or if I just am so biased towards, the you know, we, we love the UFC guys. So it's hard for me to, like, really knock it. And just for me personally, I, I did – I do prefer the UFC broadcast team. Um, and I absolutely loved having the different sports mixed in. I, like I said I, was, yeah. I wasn't aware of how that was going to like flow with the card, but sign me up for more of that. Yeah, honestly, I'd be down for the UFC to open up like a kickboxing division or a Muay Thai division. Like, I don't see why not. It, but you know what I think is more likely to happen first is like the the more of the grappling, like the the Chael Sun and Submission Underground. I could see them putting that and more for like just business relationship reasons. I could see them putting that on a card long before 
I, I could see them putting like a Muay Thai match on a card. Now, Gordon Ryan's coming to MMA. That's going to be real interesting. And, and Gordon, is he a gra- he's the grappler? He's the guy from John Donaher's team that uh, he weighs like roughly. I mean, now he's swole as shit, but like when he did this, he was like 165 pounds, but he won the uh, absolute weight Brazilian Jiu Jitsu tournament. So, no weight oh, limit. He, wow. he beat everyone 165. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, like, he's sick. a monster. And he signed to the UFC? Uh, yeah, he's going to start oh. training MMA, oh, he God. said, and go to the UFC. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Hey, I'm looking forward to that, see how that plays out. But, yeah, man, um, man, that, like I said, that, that about wraps it up. Like I said, I just wanted to just react and, and just describe differences and um, just – just like I said, just really soak it in and kind of say what I learned from it. Like I said, the differences and 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 just my overall impression of one championship and 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 having it on TNT and having it like in my like lexicon now. Like I'm I, I'm aware of it. Like I've always been aware of it, but like you know, just like I guess it's fair to say, didn't give a shit. Like I don't know. Like I just like I knew it was a thing, but I just like never. Like, I don't know. Like, I know the English Premier League is a thing, but I never watch it. You know what I'm saying? I know NASCAR is a thing, but I never watch it. So, like, I don't, I'm not even saying that, like, like I thought it was, like, a, a whack thing. I just I just have never got around to it. But, like, I watched it. I'm very, very impressed, and I'll be watching more. Yeah, same here, man. I mean, I, I love what one championship's doing. It's, it's a good – and, honestly, competition is just going to drive the UFC to have to do more or hopefully pay their fighters more if those fighters realize they can go to one and still be seen in America. Exactly. That was a game changer move. Like, you know what that reminded me? You know what that reminded me of? Um, you know how, like, when OU plays Texas, they'll be like, oh, this is, this game has, like, re- more re- recruiting implications than just on-field implications. And uh, that's kind of – didn't you get that kind of vibe? Like, uh, Yeah, absolutely was, I did. That was one championship, like – Staking their flag on the hill, like we're here, bitches. Like, like, like we like, made it to a, America. Like, like we're, uh, you know, I got some competition for you because, like, because I don't think, I don't think Bellator, me personally, I, and this is kind of be our last little, I guess, topic. We'll wrap it up soon. Uh, but just as far as like PFL, Bellator, one, and UFC. As far as like what's next, like wh- who out of those is the really the biggest threat or the real competition for UFC? Oh, I think I, it's one by far. I, I think it's one. Thank you. Uh, because Bellator, in my opinion, has already kind of relegated themselves to being the little brother. And and I know guys like Patricio Pitbull would disagree, but and, and Mike Chandler would disagree. And actually, he wouldn't disagree if he came to the UFC. But uh, <laughs> I, I think that They've said that themselves with their own choices by signing so many old UFC cast-offs. Right. They've kind of – and I know they're kind of moving away from that, but it might be too little too late. Like, I feel like in most average sports fans, and not MMA fans, but average sports fans' heads view Bellator as, like, that's the place all the old UFC guys go after they get cut from the UFC. And and maybe that's not fair to say. I know there's there are more than that, but I think that's kind of public perception. And maybe, like I said, I don't know, do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. And then, like, and then PFL is interesting to me because they're also affiliated with ESPN, and ESPN's balls deep with UFC. 
So it's it's and it, 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 it's hard to for me to understand that one that confuses dynamic. me. That one it confuses, confuses me. me. Like, I think they, they might want PFL to be a feeder league to the UFC. I get that vibe too, or <laughs> like a separate like like event. Well, and the way that their league runs is entirely different too. Like it's, they do a season. A, it's entirely different, but I just don't weird. understand how they're going to like play nice together. Especially when they like, you know, I think like paid Pettis more to come over. Like they're kind of wanting some the UFC's talent, or or, or I don't know, I don't know. It's very interesting. I just like I said, them being both so affiliated with ESPN confuses me because because Bellator, I thought their move like being affiliated with Showtime business wise was a very smart move for them. Like I personally yeah, don't absolutely. have Showtime. Like I'm not a Showtime guy, but there are in like you know they, Showtime's already known for their boxing. So like that that was smart. Like there's there's a like blueprint, like a game plan there. Um, and now, like I said, the PFL and ESPN and the UFC like love triangle. Like I said, it'll be super interesting to see how that plays out. But I do think it kind of limits PFL because I don't think there's ever a scenario where ESPN is going to prioritize PFL over UFC. No, I mean, how could they? It just wouldn't make marketing sense, you know? If it comes nut-cutting time one against the other, they're going to choose UFC. So that, that to me, kind of keeps them from truly competing with the UFC as well. Now, one, between the Asian market and between the TNT deal makes it, like, a real-ass competitor, in my opinion. Like, like a real, like, a real heavyweight competitor, like a big boy like, like, in, as far as arms race goes, like, like, I mean, if, if the arms race is eyeballs, do they have the bigger gun? You know what I'm saying? Like, like that Asian market is, is no joke. Yeah, I know. I, I just think for uh, one, they just have to prove to America that the skill sets are comparable. And then yeah. essentially that's all it's going to take. But it's going to take us seeing them do some amazing stuff because the UFC puts on just the craziest high boat. Like you were saying, the UFC always makes the fights that need to be made, and yeah. that's to their credit. So we'll see. We'll see moving forward if one does that as well, and that would give us a lot more like knowledge as far as to like how this card was last night and how they operate as far as an organization at a competitive standard. And, and last night, all the crazy production and cool of special effects, they, it hit us really hard because it was our first time watching it. Now. Right. 21 cards deep, am I going to give a shit about that or am I just going to want some good fights in the cage, you know? So, so like I said, that, it, it, that's that's all that glitz and glamour and bells and whistles kind of wears off and eventually you got to have some meat and potatoes on that bone. But, um, but yeah, man, uh, this was episode 43 of Dreadful Talk. Had so much fun. I'm glad we were able to experience this together, man. It was really fun. And thank you so much, my guy. Um, yeah, absolutely, man. Great episode. I really, like I said, for anyone that's watching, watch one championship. It's fun. See what you think. Let us know on Beefy Boys whenever you come over. Yeah, and if you enjoyed this episode of Dreadful Talk, please consider going to subscribe to Beefy Boys Breakdown. We break down every single UFC card. So if you enjoyed us talking fights, we have a whole podcast dedicated to that. And if you haven't subscribed to Dreadful Talk uh, podcast, please go subscribe on YouTube. I also do burrito reviews on this channel. And um, you can find us on both of these podcasts wherever you get your audio podcasts. Thanks, everybody.